Hello and welcome to Diverse and Inclusive Leaders. This is the show where I interview the most inspirational and thought-provoking leaders of today and unearth their unique stories of diversity and inclusion to help inspire, educate and motivate others to make the world a better place. Today I am thrilled to be joined by the superb Jim Townsend. Jim is the Chief Procurement Officer of Walgreen Boots Alliance and leads the procurement function. Prior to joining Walgreen Boots Alliance, he worked for Anglo-American and General Electric, also within commercial procurement. Now he's worked overseas extensively, now living over in the States, worked both in the manufacturing and also in the retail environments. Holds an MBA in strategic procurement from the University of Birmingham and a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering. Welcome to the show, Jim. Hi, Leda. Thanks. And uh, I'm really excited to be here. Thanks so much for being here. It is just a joy to, to have you one-on-one, actually, and learning a little bit about how you came to be where you are today, which I understand is based out of Chicago, working for the global giant. The vast majority of us around the world know very well, or boots in the UK, as it is also known. Yeah, no, I've, I've been with the group for uh, a little over 10 years now. Absolutely fantastic place to, to work. A really inspirational organisation. But before I joined Walgreens Boots Alliance, my career was kind of took a number of different pathways. And if I kind of go right back, geez, I, I left school when I was 16. I, I disliked school immensely, quite frankly. And I took on a, an apprenticeship at Rolls-Royce as a craft apprentice. I worked through that. And at the age of maybe, so well, I guess in my early 20s, I decided that I, I actually needed to figure out a career. I got this aspiration to be a professional cyclist and realized that I didn't quite have the talent to be that. And it was probably the most painful pro- profession that anybody could could wish for, frankly. So I, I figured out I needed to get a career when I was in my early 20s. I, I went back to college, went back to university and, and consequently ended up spending 15 years in further education on a part-time basis to do my degree and my master's and what have you. But then I kind of navigated my way around the organization, having various roles in manufacturing, engineering, transformation, program management, and kind of navigating a pathway through to procurement, probably sort of 20 years ago, and really took those threads and worked my way through some pretty interesting jobs at Rolls-Royce Aerospace out of the UK before I then went to work for the competition, which is GE Aviation out of Cincinnati in the US, and spent a lot of time working out in Eastern Europe and in Latin America and a very significant amount of time in China as well. Before I then kind of swapped industries, worked for Anglo-American for a period of time before I, I moved on to uh, Walgreens Boots Alliance, where I headed up the procurement activity across Alliance Boots as, as we were. And then when we merged with Walgreens to form Walgreens Boots Alliance, I then moved out to the, to the US, where I've been for the past five years and truly love what we're doing as a group. Really enjoy living out in Chicago, fantastic place to live. 
are really uh, warm and friendly people out in in the Midwest. A really interesting role that we've got around us because there's just so much happening. There's there's such a packed agenda, and clearly, the market conditions of today and COVID and the, the changing world that we operate in in Mexico are, are truly exciting and and frankly an inspirational time to kind of work. Well, thanks so much, Jim, for that whistle-stop tour. It's, I mean, it's fascinating to hear from leaving school at 16 to now being at the helm of one of the most well-known organisations and kind of casually running everything that you do is a pretty astronomic feat. Do you ever kind of look back and think, wow, actually, I've come, come quite a long way since leaving school at 16 years old, wanting to be a professional cyclist and now ending up driving procurement i do you, you know what if i'm completely honest though layla i was a little bit disappointed that i didn't make it as a professional cyclist i was an okay amateur but i really wished i'd have achieved that but that, that's probably one of my few disappointments in life but i've got very very few disappointments but that, that would be one of them for sure but yeah you, you know what i guess each and every one of us when we reflect back on when we finished our sort of education and we we went into a professional world, be it corporate, be it not-for-profit or a, a government entity or, or, or a smaller business as well, you know, each and every one of us has a view about where, you know, where the future might take us. And all those years ago, I had no view about about what it was like. The world was a very different place in the 1980s. Views and perceptions about the world were very different. It was a, a very much well, I guess I'm not sure whether it was smaller or bigger, but it was very, very much less diverse in terms of global trade, in terms of people's views and perceptions. You know, clearly the UK was going for some pretty significant economic and political turmoil at that point in time. But I kind of look back and I'm perhaps at one of those individuals that maybe overthinks things sometimes. And, you know, even back in the sort of, mid-1990s I got a clear view about the kind of things I wanted to do and the kind of experiences I wanted to have I was never as formulaic in terms of saying I need to have positions at these different levels and and what have you it was more about the experiences for me I wanted to work globally I wanted to have the opportunity to develop strategies and see them deployed I wanted to have the opportunity to really make a positive impact you know I've been super fortunate in that way I really have and when I hang up my boots, as to say, at the end of it all, I'll look back and say, wow, what a fantastic journey and how fortunate I've been. And you've been fortunate both professionally and also personally as well, Jim. I know that you say quite candidly you're you're married to Moy and you have a number of crazy children as well who I'm sure have had the experience of lots of different countries, cultures and all of the offerings that being a global citizen has to bring. And I wonder, has that been, I suppose, a significant factor on on how you have grown the family throughout the years as well? Because I know you're very passionate about diverse cultures and environments and almost this rich learning journey, as it were. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And quite frankly, it brings a tear to my eye now you've kind of asked that question. It's, it really has. And I think if I if I look at our four children, two of the, the two eldest ones are back at university in the UK. And I think that they are 
pretty savvy individuals, quite frankly. And in terms of being worldly wise, they understand as a result of living abroad and have a range of different perspectives that, quite frankly, they wouldn't have had if they'd have just stopped in living in the UK. So, you know, they, they are very broad minded. They're very conscious of different cultures and different ways of things get done in different societies and what the different norms are and and very very attentive to to those issues shall I say so that's fantastic uh, and I think my my younger two children who are over here in Chicago with us now I reflect on my my youngest daughter who Moya my wife picks up from school every day and as she walks out of school she walks out talking to my my wife Moya with an American accent and by the time they've made the five minute walk home she's back speaking with an English accent so kids adapt very quickly they know what kind of norms and routines they where they need to when's the right time to fit in and when's not the right time to fit in and which I think is great so I, I think really interesting here your children talk about US politics so my my two kids come home and talk to me about US politics and tell me all about US politics. Interesting, when we were living in the UK, they weren't in the slightest bit interested. But the fact that they've got views on Donald Trump, the fact that they've got views on Joe Biden, the fact they've got views about the fairness or or whatever your viewpoint be on the Electoral College, you know, is really kind of quite interesting. And they've been they've been super fortunate in terms of that. So yes, it's made a huge impact on them. But what I would say to anybody that's thinking about working abroad is it will leave an indelible mark on your family as a whole and accept the fact that your children will become, and forgive me if it sounds a little bit trite, but your children will become citizens of the world and will have very different perspectives and viewpoints about what's right and what's wrong as a result of those experiences. Well, Jim, thanks so much for sharing that. I I think it's incredibly heartwarming firstly to hear about the family as well as the work side of things when you use the word indelible family mark it does really resonate my parents went to work out in Hong Kong for many many years back when Hong Kong was a British colony and they attest that to some of the richest learnings that they have had but it's fascinating to hear you talk about the kids and also this intergenerational difference you know the fact that back in the day in inverted commas we were not to talk about religion or politics necessarily because that was kind of was a recipe for disaster now there is this encouragement of freedom of speech and I think it is a great thing that children youngsters are really getting more involved than they ever have been before in particular when there are such positive yet also challenging world issues at stake. But the fact that our younger generations want to get so involved in making a positive difference really does bring a huge smile to my face. And I guess moving on, Jim, into kind of the day job, as it were, the procurement world and the fact that actually procurement can really touch many, many people's lives for the better. What is it that kind of really excites you about supplier diversity? And for those of us who perhaps don't know really what supplier diversity is, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's a great question and something we feel pretty passionate about within 
Walgreens Boots Alliance. You know, I'd kind of answer the question like this in as much that we have a view, and I have a view, which says that a company, the organisation, and its supply chain should, in essence, reflect the customers and the patients of, uh, of that company that we serve. And I think the same is absolutely true for a supply chain. So, you know, my, my view is that procurement is a force for good and should absolutely be a force for good. And yes, we have to kind of do all the commercial stuff, but that, that's kind of part of the role. But in actual fact, structuring a supply chain, which provides a, an opportunity to support some of, for example, some of the most underserved communities and ensure that more cash is directed towards those communities in a way which then enables those communities to grow and prosper in a direction they perhaps might otherwise have struggled to without that support. I think that's that's kind of really important. But I think also supply diversity, what it does bring is really drives new sources of innovation and value that kind of take us in new directions, which are filled with new opportunities that quite frankly, without that diverse supply chain, we wouldn't have been able to access. I think the other thing I would add later is I think that increasingly our customers and our employees are demanding it of us. What they're looking for is a supply chain, which is exciting, that brings that new innovation, that really brings the model which reflects our, our kind of customers and who we are and the values that we have. And I think most importantly, you have to believe this is simply the, the right thing to do. You know, as an organization, you have to look yourself in the mirror at the end of the day and as individuals and leaders and kind of ask yourself, am I, every day, am I doing the right thing for our customers, employees and owners? And I think that's, this is a key part of that, frankly. It is so well said and so well articulated. And it also seems something that is so also obvious to organisations that are not yet really considering the value, of course, of, of, of corporate social responsibility, but also the impact, the true impact on the day-to-day -day lives of communities when it comes to really curating a supply chain and communities, organisations, businesses that really do care and represent the community as you say and which is served and I wonder what about the measures of success would you say for supplier diversity because as you alluded to we're seeing a kind of a really momentous shift now from what was perhaps previously purely CSR initiatives through to now supply chain diversity initiatives and kind of almost a slight blurring of the lines between the two. What do you think the measures of success will look like and any further advice for those considering implementing this seriously into their organisations? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. In terms of measures of success, I, I think, sure, there's lots of numeric measurements out there. There's companies talk about how much spend they have with supply, diverse suppliers. And I think that's an important part of it, but I think that's only one component. I think 
the measures of success that we would have are somewhat broader than that. And I think we, we look at a number of different dimensions. One of those dimensions would be suppliers with diverse teams. So, you know, quite often, and in many spaces, and I think I perhaps shared this example with you in the past, Layla. You know, we look for suppliers where they represent the diversity of our customer base and our team members as well. So a great example was we recently went through a process where we were selecting a long-term partner as our key marketing agency, okay, providing a whole load of support around creative media, public relations and what have you really key partnership to us, really strategic to us. And we were going through the selection process on that. One company turned up and there was a complete lack of diversity within that team. And, you know, we, we kind of put it to them, which said, how can you possibly represent Walgreens Boots Alliance, our customers and our patients and our team members, when you have zero diversity within the team, how can you possibly understand what it feels like to be one of our customers without that? And I have no hesitation in saying that that company didn't progress beyond that. And we actually ended up selecting a partner who'd actually got a really strong diversity within the team that they were supporting the account with. So that, that's an example of, it's not specifically a measure, but it's kind of part of the outlook that we have. One of the other things we're doing that we, we measure is really driving growth within the diverse supply base. So, so actually having a almost a capability building and a capacity building program where we work with circa 40 different companies to kind of grow their capabilities and grow their ability to work with large companies such that we've got more diverse suppliers that we can work with in the future. Because because it can be quite intimidating if you're a relatively small organization working with a, a large organization, bid in the UK, bid in the US, it's an acquired skill, shall I say. One of the things we do is help those organizations navigate working with large organizations and help them understand how to be successful. You know, that's really key. I think that's a really great investment that we make. As I say, we've absolutely got the metrics up there. We've absolutely got the analytics up there in terms of that. But I think it's much more than just measuring. It's about how you embrace it. It's about how you bring diverse suppliers in to really help shape the direction of the organization, really kind of push the organization forward in some new ways, rather than just about having diverse spend in certain categories, which quite frankly may be easy to access. I think there's a there's a spectrum here almost for diverse suppliers where, yes, there are certain activities which are important to bring revenue into certain communities. But at the other end of the spectrum, there's also suppliers which are absolutely driving the thinking and shaping the, the direction of major corporates such as ours. So I, I view it in many ways. Maybe I've maybe I've missed the question, but hopefully that gives you a bit of insight. No, you absolutely have not. I think what's fascinating about what you're saying is this is not just metrics. This is not just analytics. When we say even 
sometimes quite corporate words like that, I think it frames things in such a way where they aren't quite as human as what you're trying to articulate. Ultimately, when it comes to diverse spend in certain categories and all of that kind of stuff, that is wonderful. But actually, what is really really touching about this is the fact that it is the true impact within those communities it is the true direction the empathy the emotion you know the things that you see in real life you know the vaccines that are happening the change on the actual grassroots level that you are seeing through Mm -hmm. the impact of these initiatives ultimately at grassroots level and I think that is something as you say that really does impact growth and and capability across the board when you talked before about the selection process example and perhaps the lack of diversity it was interesting because I think it's becoming harder and harder these days to not be honest and transparent because do you represent the communities in which you serve Are we missing a trick by not including those individuals? How does it feel to actually include those partners, like the examples that you gave, who've got a really strong, innovative, diverse mindset and the experience as well that can make that true impact? And, you know, things like this have a huge ripple effect as well within communities. Word gets round very quickly. And I think in this kind of peculiar kind of world of, covid and lockdown and everything like that that we are all experiencing you start to notice the real little things you know you start to notice the way people are treated you know what might be happening on social media the small things become big things and actually it's having that real human touch that makes the profound difference as you were talking there, Lani, you, you make me think of something and I kind of reflect on this. I, I, I was reflecting and our procurement team is actually very diverse, really brilliant mix of males and females, people of colour, people from different backgrounds. It works incredibly well. But we re-energised this programme last year in particular. And, you know, quite frankly, spot by the DEI revolution that kind of kicked off last springtime. And what we found was there was a a huge, huge passion within the team to do something different in this space. And we found that if we got our people kind of motivated behind the subject, that they just go take it on themselves. So they created a whole load of ambassadors to really drive the program. And they got so excited about it. You know, it really is, is just become self-fulfilling. And we've made sure that we've got changed our processes, changed our, our operating model to make sure that this is a key part of what we do every day. But people just do it because they know it's the right thing to do now. And, you know, it's not that we weren't doing it before, but I think we're doing it with a whole different level of vigor and excitement. And the criticality of it is much more, how should I say, it's much more personal to people now. One of the questions I've I've heard in the past is what happens when you have a situation where you have supplier A and supplier B and they're both the same and one's diverse and one's not? Is it right to select one over the other? And and quite frankly, this is a complete non-issue because it's never like that. 
these decisions are never that polarized, shall I say. And what I just encourage everybody to think about is, you know, you, you've got to reflect on what's important to you as an organization. You've got to make rounded decisions based on what works for you in terms of the performance outcomes and the financial outcomes that you're seeking, in terms of the diversity outcomes that you're seeking, in terms of the risk profile, the wider CSR profile as well. You've got to make those decisions on a rounded basis. It's never about diversity or not. And diversity is just an, in, an integral part of that decision. I just like to kind of slay the myth around what happens if you have this scenario. It's not like that. Just move on from that, I would say. It's fascinating. I like the way that you say it's never diversity or not. It is making these conscious decisions to do what is right. And I think that's another reason why I think, you know, what you've done in the procurement function strategically, as well as what Walgreen Boots Alliance are doing on this incredible global level has been so successful. Because when you pin your colours to the mast, and obviously we've seen the additional pillar of inclusion up there, not just lip service anymore it is doing saying pinning colors to the mast and then making sure that translates right across the organization through to the depths of where those valuable valuable pounds or dollars are actually spent and it does make difference to people's lives and it It comes yeah, no, exactly. It really does. I think it'd be wrong for me not to mention this. So we have hired Ros Brewer, who is our new chief executive, who started. I think it was last week that uh, Ros started, and I joined Ros on a call with the rest of the senior leadership team within a couple of hours of a kind of joining us. And you know, it's pretty clear in terms of what's important to Ros. But Ros is the I think I'm right in saying this, the only African-American chief exec on the Fortune 500. We hired Roz, not because she was a diverse candidate, because she's a brilliant female leader. And the fact that she comes from an African-American background as well is an added bonus. And wow, she's going to bring some different perspectives. So I think hugely powerful. But what a brilliant thing for everybody in the organization to see. First female chief exec first African-American chief exec we've had as well, you know, it'll give a whole load of people a whole load of inspiration. Actually made my skin tingle a little bit then as you were speaking, because it is just so what our fortune, our footsie, our large organisations need. And it's what the world needs organizations and people who have true leadership capability, humanity, and also an inordinate amount of skill as well. It is truly inspirational. But you as well, Jim, are incredibly inspirational for your humanity, your openness, your candidness. I used to, this is my stereotypes and my biases here, I used to think procurement, oh, those procurement people are so tough. But actually, there is humanity in procurement, I think. You know, it's just beautiful hearing how you feel about what you do and about those communities. And then you see it right up the way to the boardroom with Ros Brewer, who I don't know personally, but we are hoping to have speaker at our Dar Global Summit later this year. She is a true inspiration to so many. And that is not just black women, 
but to many, many others. It's visible and it's also invisible diversity at the same time. But you are right, it is an added bonus on top of someone who is a very, very astute American businesswoman. So I guess on that note, I always try and do a great summary at the end of these podcast sessions. But Jim, I'm thinking to myself, where am I going to start now to do a summary? What I will say for those who are tuning in is I am sure, I'm going to be very firm about this, I'm sure that you have learned a lot about the benefits of supply chain diversity. Some of the things that really stood out to me were the humanity, the the bridge between personal and professional. Those two do tend to draw ever closer together these days, in particular in the world in which we are working. Generational diversity, race, religion, ethnic diversity, and mindset diversity, you know, all of these rich idiosyncratic details are incredibly important to make successful teams thrive, but also to have that real innovative mindset when it comes to translating this into business strategy at the same time. You know, I love, Jim, how you talked about innovation, the customer demand as well when it comes to supply chain diversity and also the passion that people from different communities and different backgrounds can bring. This is not just about metrics and analytics and box tickings. This is about embracing our communities and really leaving a legacy for our future generations of leaders as well and global citizens, to use Jim's terminology right from the beginning of this podcast. So Jim, thank you so, so much for joining today. I know you're going on well-deserved time off so thank you very much for being here it's been a real joy having you on the show yeah that's fantastic so much appreciate you asking me to come and speak and join you Layla really enjoyed the conversation thanks so much Jim my name's Layla Mackenzie Dallas I'm the founder and CEO of Dar Global you have been listening to the superb Jim Townsend and um, from Walgreen Boots Alliance you can check out the show notes if you missed anything at all we're putting all of the key points into those at the end of the show you can check out the podcast diverse and inclusive leaders on apple on spotify on your favorite podcast or you can visit us at www.dalglobal.org forward slash podcast take care and we'll look forward to seeing you again very soon <laughs>